This afternoon we'll be considering Baptist Catechism questions 78 through 80. Uh, Question 78 asks, which is the Eighth Commandment? Answer, the Eighth Commandment is, thou shalt not steal. Question 79, what is required in the Eighth Commandment? Answer, the Eighth Commandment requireth the lawful procuring and furthering the wealth and outward estate of ourselves and others. Question 80, what is forbidden in the Eighth Commandment? Answer, the Eighth Commandment forbiddeth whatsoever does or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth and outward estate. I'll read now from Proverbs 6, 6 through 11. Hear now the reading of God's holy word. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Without having any chief, officer, or ruler, She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. How long will you lie there, O sluggard? When will you arise from your sleep? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. This is now the reading of God's holy word. May he add his blessing to the preaching of it this afternoon. The eighth commandment is, You shall not steal. I think it's rather obvious what that means. Don't take what is not yours. But that very simple principle is just begging to be fleshed out. And I think that is what our catechism does so beautifully. It takes these simple moral commandments and it teases them out to show their obvious implications. For example, we should ask, Well, how then should I provide for myself if I am not allowed to steal? How then should I provide for myself? How should I increase my wealth and my possessions? Stealing is forbidden. Yes, it is true that someone may give you a gift. Your wealth might increase because someone gives a gift to you. And that is fine. And making wise investments is also encouraged in the scripture. So you invest into a company perhaps. And because the company does well, you receive a reward from that because of your investment. But in general, we must confess that the way to provide for yourself and your family is to increase your wealth and possessions by doing work. You are to provide a service for someone else and be compensated for it. Or you must work your land with the hopes of reaping a harvest. Indeed, that's how most people worked back in the olden days. They owned some land, they had some land, and they farmed that land, land, and they hoped to reap a harvest at harvest time. Either way, the principle is the same. We must provide for ourselves by working. As Paul says in Ephesians 4.28, Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. So this is the standard for all people, but especially for the Christian. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. There are so many questions associated with this topic. I'll name just a few just to show you that I'm not oblivious to them. Must a person work with his hands? No, we must say that some work involves the mind more than the hands. And what about the wife and mother who does not go off to work but remains at home? I would say that is a great blessing. But the scriptures do warn against idleness at home. Uh, 
The wife and mother should be diligent to manage the home, and she is also free to engage in industry on top of that. You may see Proverbs 31, for example, their wisdom is personified as this woman, and one of the things that we see about her is she's very industrious. She's out selling her goods in the town square. And what about retirement? Is there a place for retirement? Of course there is. Hard work in the younger years does sometimes lead to retirement in the later years. But even in retirement, men and women should serve the Lord. They should be diligent in prayer and, if possible, the service of others. And what about those who are independently wealthy, who come into great wealth by way of inheritance? Again, I would say that is a great blessing. But the scriptures do warn the rich not to trust in their riches, but to trust in God. And those who are rich should use what they have been given for the furtherance of God's kingdom and the relief of the poor. They should be generous in their wealth. Again, idleness is forbidden. In general, I wish to say this. Christians should be diligent and hardworking. That takes so many different forms depending upon the circumstances of life. I'm very much aware of, of that. Things will look different from person to person and from household to household as the circumstances will change from household to household. Also, the seasons of life change. But in general, Christians should be hardworking. Stated negatively, Christians are not to be sluggards. No, we are to use our time and our energies for the glory of God, for our good, and for the good of others. The proverb that we read earlier, Proverbs 6, has a lot to say about this. In fact, all of the Proverbs do. They constantly urge men and women to be diligent, hardworking, and wise with their money. They show how men and women generally come to be both rich and how men and women generally come to be poor. And the text that we read from just a moment ago in Proverbs 6 is most instructive. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, the text says. So I wonder, have you ever watched ants? Have you ever done this? Maybe you did so when you were a little kid, right? More so than in your adulthood. Uh, Have you ever watched these ants, these little bugs that crawl on the ground? They're very hardworking and they're very diligent little creatures, aren't they? They they seem to never stop. They just move along, working constantly to provide for themselves and others. Proverbs 6 tells us that we are to go to the ant and we are to consider their ways. We're to consider how diligent and hardworking they are. And, And no, the point is not that we are to never rest. That would contradict other scriptures that teach us that we are to rest, one day out of seven especially. The scriptures teach us that sleep is a gift from God. The scriptures warn against the vanity and folly of overworking. And the scriptures command that we cease from our labors one day out of every seven to worship God in a pronounced way in public and private. That day is called the Sabbath day or the Lord's day. So we are not to imitate ants by working tirelessly and unceasingly seven days a week. In fact, ants do sleep. Uh, Scientifically, if we were to approach it in this way, we would have to admit that they do sleep. I learned some time ago that worker ants take about 250 little power naps a day. Did you know that? Um, Totaling about four and a half hours of sleep a day. So ants do sleep, but they don't appear to sleep. They just seem to go and go and to work so diligently, just constantly moving along and storing up provision for themselves. What are we to learn from the ants who seem to work so diligently? Well, notice that 
The lesson is for the sluggard. Go to the ant, O sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. A sluggard is a lazy person. It is the lazy person who is encouraged to go to the ant and consider her ways to become wise. And what exactly is the sluggard to notice? Two things. One, the ant works very diligently without having any chief officer or ruler. Yes, scientifically speaking, we know that in an ant colony there is a queen And there are even other kinds of ants, so that there is a kind of hierarchy in the ant world. But the point is this. When you watch ants, you see that they work very hard and very diligently, and no one is cracking the whip, as it were. Ants seem to be self-motivated. It seems to be a part of their their nature to work constantly hard. And the sluggard should learn from this. The sluggard may work hard for a time, if someone forces them to, and then back to the couch he goes, right? Uh, And so, we are to not be like this. Rather, we are to be self-motivated and diligent in our work, whatever it is that the Lord has called us to do. Two, this proverb urges us to notice this about ants. They seem to understand the seasons. Go to the ant, O sluggard, consider her ways and be wise, without having any chief, officer, or ruler. She prepares her bread in summer and gathers her food in harvest. The ant is diligent to work and to save in times of plenty, knowing that times of want or lack may soon come. And the sluggard needs to learn this lesson too. The lazy person may have adequate provisions at the moment, and so they lounge on the couch and they sleep long hours in their bed, but they forget that their provisions will soon run out. What then? That ants work diligently even when her storehouse is full is noticed here. Uh, They work diligently even when their storehouse is full, knowing that the time will come when provisions will be lacking. And that is what the proverb warns against so directly, saying, a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. It will come upon you very quickly. And so the proverbs are teaching us this way of wisdom to be diligent and hardworking uh, with our time. And the Christian is especially commanded to do this in that Ephesians 4.28 passage that I've already read. Uh, yes, the Eighth Commandment forbids stealing, but that means that on the flip side, we are required to do something else. We're required to labor. That's what Paul is saying. By the way, Uh, I want you to notice how our catechism does this, how it teases out these moral laws. It does not just do so at random, but rather the framers of the catechism, they'll take the commandments, all ten of them, and they'll pay careful attention to to the way in which the rest of the scriptures tease out these moral principles. You see, how are these moral principles teased out by the rest of the Old Testament? Also, how are they picked up by the New Testament and teased out? These are very basic moral principles that are meant to be teased out. In fact, the scriptures do this for us, and we only have to take notice of how it is done. I'll read Ephesians 4, uh, 28 to you again. It has very much to do with the, the commandment that we are considering. Let the thief no longer steal, Paul says to the Christians. In other words, if you are a Christian, you had better obey the eighth commandment. Thou shalt not steal. Let the thief no longer steal. If you are in Christ, turn from that sin, but rather do what the Eighth Commandment requires. 
by laboring, you're to do honest work with your own hands so that you may have something to share with anyone in need. Now, that is what is required of the Christian. To state the matter negatively, the Eighth Commandment forbiddeth whatsoever does or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate. As with all the commandments, we must reflect deeply on these things, what sorts of things they may what, what sorts of things may hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth and outward estate. Well, consider concerning our neighbor, stealing is obviously out of the question. That would obviously hinder their increase of wealth, wouldn't it? You'd be taking from something from them that belongs to them, that they have earned. But dishonest work is also out of the question. Though we may provide some good or service to our neighbor, if it is dishonest work, or if it is a good of poor quality that we deliver, then we are not helping our neighbor, but we're hindering them, aren't we? We're taking from them. If we go to do work and we overcharge them, or we rush through the job so that they're left with a, a, a poor service, or we deliver some good to them, some, some product to them that we know is faulty, yes, you might be able to classify that as work, but it is not honest work, is it? And it is not, it is not for the betterment of your neighbor, but for their worse. And so we are forbidden from doing this. What about the responsibility we have to earn a living for ourselves, to provide for ourselves, and to help others who may be in need? It seems to me that we need to think about our own work ethic, the management of our finances, the wisdom of our investments and business ventures. Brothers and sisters, we must think carefully about these things. And I think there is a lot about our culture that especially requires us to think carefully about these things. Um, our culture does not seem to value honest work in the way that it should. But we as Christians need to be countercultural in this regard. We need to be hardworking individuals. We must work to the glory of God for the good of ourselves and for the good of our neighbors. And perhaps I should move to a conclusion by saying, by saying this. I understand that life does not always go as planned. Life does not always go as planned. Sometimes we wish to work but cannot. And I don't mean for any of this that I have said this afternoon to burden those who are in a situation like that. Rather, I'm setting forth the scriptural ideal. Remember, the scriptures do speak of the importance of caring for those in need. And if we just consider that commandment, does it not say that there are going to be people who are in need? Ideally, no one would ever be in need, but in reality, sometimes people are. And so here we are setting forth the ideal, but things do not always go in an ideal manner. And so I say again, I do not mean for any of this teaching to burden anyone unnecessarily. Sometimes people are in need, and the reasons for this are varied. But in general, brothers and sisters, we are to be hardworking, we're to be diligent, we're to provide for our own needs, and even, Lord willing, have enough to share with those who are in need by doing honest work, laboring with our own hands. What is forbidden in the Eighth Commandment, we will conclude with this. The Eighth Commandment forbiddeth whatsoever does or may unjustly hinder our own or our neighbor's wealth or outward estate. May the Lord help us in these things. Let us pray. Lord, help us to keep your law in thought, word, and deed. And forgive us in Christ Jesus when we do not. We thank you for Christ who kept this law perfectly on our behalf 
and died for our sins. In him we have placed our trust. Amen.